The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast, episode 29. My name is James Rea, and I am the editor and publisher of theweeklydriver.com, and I am an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times. Co-host, as always, the guy with most of the knowledge about cars and more than I do is Bruce Aldrich. And Bruce, we've had a pretty full day today. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to have a mixed bag show today. We're going to talk about our drive down to the Delta today in a wonderful new car. And then we're going to talk about some letters that I've received that are all of interesting topics about the car industry. But uh, first of all, how you doing? What's going on in your world? And and why don't you start and tell me about the car in your experience and your opinion that we drove down to Cortland in today from Sacramento? We went on a variety of country roads today in this beautiful candy apple red LC500, which is the latest flagship from uh, Lexus. Mm-hmm. Two-seater, or two-plus-two two they call it, but there's really no back seat to speak of. Uh, anyway, what a car. Uh, over a hundred grand is the list price on this doggone thing. Big V8. It had uh, a variety of features that we really liked, but I, the one thing I noticed was the uh, suspension on it. it. It rode really nice on you know normal roads, but then we went off-road and some gravel roads out in some fields. What, what were we doing out there in the fields with a nice <laughs> car like this? I don't know. <laughs> but, we, but we were out in the mud in the potholes, and uh, this thing, I don't know, but it just completely you couldn't hit a bad pothole in this thing no the I suspension guess, was unreal i guess to kind of uh fill in the blanks here a little bit we i also do some uh writing about uh the beverage industry so i've been doing a a beer column for a local publication and and today we went out and talked to this woman who's uh who owns a, a family-run business out in uh, Cortland called hemley and they make uh cider and it's a new thing and they have a little bit more than a thousand acres and it was kind of a rainy drizzly day and she stopped while we were on these dirt roads or gravel roads i should say and she warned us that we were going to go on some gravel roads because she saw this beautiful sports car that yeah, we're driving she, she out there. worried that we she were wor- going to make it she you know? <laughs> and we and just so, flew right through it was okay, great yeah we were on a cider run to truth be told truth be on a cider run and th- this lc 500 um, it, it's actually, it seems to me it's more, more like two cars. There's the exterior of the car, which I would say is one of the most beautiful cars I've seen in recent years. It just has these beautiful lines and it's almost futuristic looking in a way. And, it, it, and um, Lexus has kind of, I don't know, they, it looks like they've taken some ideas from other cars as well and kind of morphed it into their version of you know what would it be there's there's some corvette in there there's some audi in there maybe and and of course it has its own lexus features but it's just beautifully designed exterior of this car very good looking car what, what do you, how do you describe some of these just sharp angles uh beautiful curves uh it's got curves and sharp angles yeah. curves at the back so it looks you know aerodynamic toward the rear in front it's this edgy mean sharp 
uh, lines up in front, and it's, of course it's got the traditional Lexus grill, the big, I don't know, what is that, inverted fish mouth. I always call it a, yeah, pouting, a pouting fish. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care for that. I no. think that's the, the worst part of the car is the front, but uh, the rest of it is really something to be, uh, it's different. Now on the, on the interior of this car, we were chuckling because it's got some, I was in the passenger seat on the way down there and you were driving, and I realized that all of a sudden it has on the side of each, on the side of the front passenger seat, it's got these grips as if the as if the driver is going to drive this thing 150 miles an hour, and you have to hold on for dear life. But I've never seen a car that has these. I mean, what would you call it? Like seat grips on they're, the side. They're dual grips. Dual that, grips. Yeah, dual grips. That uh, you know, normally you, you scare somebody. There's usually a grip on the right, and you know they're grabbing on that, and maybe the center console or mm -hmm. hitting your arm or something. But this has two grab handles so that you you can't hit the driver when you're when you're doing <laughs> something right. crazy they're they're on the grips right and so also on the in, well uh, on the engine it's 461 horsepower V8 with a 10 speed yeah 10 speed automatic, automatic. With, with paddle shifters and um, it has a growl that's similar to a Maserati growl. It is on on startup. It, on startup, it, it starts. It, it's growl, and it's then growling, you pretty much start. forget about it. And yeah, unless you uh, uh, you know put your foot to the floor, and then then you're reminded really quick, not only audibly but the uh, the thrust. And then it's it's. Uh, I think we both realized that you could be going like some cars that have a lot of a lot of power. You're you're going seventy, and you think you're going forty five, or you're going seventy five, and you think it's fifty. Because just such a smooth driving car. Yes. It, uh, it has a head-up display, which I always like, and uh, the, the nav screen is, gosh, what is that, like a 5 by 12 or something? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a real wide screen, really well integrated into the dash. The navigation system, as you mentioned, is, is, is pretty good uh, system, but I, I think that there are some funny things about the car. The, the side mirrors, um, like the side door handles on the fob, they, the, the handles lock and open with the push of the fob button and the mirrors, uh, what do they call it, collapsible mirrors. Yeah, but they, the mirrors, side mirrors, are. I thought they were pretty small and then there's definitely a blind spot out the driver's side window, like a lot of sports cars, of course. But um, then it has, the on the exterior, going back to that, it has a carbon fiber... Roof. Uh, roof. Yeah, carbon fiber roof. Carbon fiber roof that looks, it almost gives the appearance that it would be a, a, a hard top convertible, but, but it's not. Um, right, and there's no sunroof in it. Hundred thousand no dollar car, no no, no sunroof. sunroof. Yeah, hundred hundred and three thousand dollars for that car. And and you were mentioning earlier, Bruce, that you had an idea that that maybe Lexus um, saw what was coming with with Mercedes Benz, not or you believe not offering its yeah, it, top flagship. This is now. like the uh, the SL five fifty. Yeah, the Mercedes that uh, they don't. I'm not sure if they're selling them. Or not, but I sure don't see them anymore. No, I don't see them at all either. So um, this would fill that uh, niche for the SL 550s. Yeah. And, and the one thing, of course, we have to mention also is that uh, it ties into another one of our topics today is that this car has run-flat tires. And uh, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I, I write this weekly column for the San Jose paper and the Walnut Creek paper in California. And a woman wrote me... A very well-written letter. Uh, I've received a few letters lately, and this woman wrote this letter, and, and she was suggesting that I always include uh, what kind of tires the, the vehicles ha vehicles have that we get a chance to drive and review. And I'm just going to read uh, a little part of this letter. 
that she wrote. It's rather long, but this is a, a, an excerpt uh, from it. She just reads, I won't use any names, but she just said, I urge you to include and highlight tire type in your reviews. It would be refreshing as well as to, to read a detailed, unbiased column about the pros and cons of run-flat tires based on users' practical experiences versus the auto and tire industry's fantasies. I personally don't think these industries are much interested in buyers' tires experiences, although I understand BMW may offer standard tires as an option to, on the X5s now. Perhaps the newspapers that carry your writing won't publish such clarity for losing advertising. And as an insert there, advertising doesn't have anything to do with the column I write. I've never been dictated by any companies on what to write or not to write. But anyway, in her opinion, she had um, run-flat tires were an expensive nightmare, in my opinion, on a 2005 uh, Toyota Sienna. I turned the van into what looked like a safari vehicle by switching out tires and keeping the spare on the roof along with the most compact step stool I could find so I could reach the spare, or at least somebody could. I think I got 17,000 miles of wear out of the flat tires when I made the switch. So, and it goes on to give other examples of her, uh, she and her husband or family's problems with run flat tires. So Bruce, you have some knowledge on run flat tires. In general terms, what are we talking about here? Well, the only knowledge I have is that they tend to run not as smooth as a conventional tire. That's that's the complaint I've always heard, and that they they tend to run a little noisier. But mm -hmm. that's all I've heard. And so when I heard, when I read this uh, column, this what you just mentioned, I started looking into it, and there's all kinds of problems with these run flat tires. What happens is they're I guess it's a little more stiff sided, so that the tire can support the weight of the vehicle when there's no air in them. Mm -hmm. And so that stiffer side means uh, it's more prone to damage from like potholes or curb hitting. And what the the sidewall is blowing out of these things uh, more more often than a conventional tire that's softer. And so now you've got to replace this tire that costs way more than a conventional tire. Are they fifty percent more maybe than? I haven't looked the prices, but mm -hmm. I, I'll bet you they are. And so, so, and then there's availability problems. So you're are you're out somewhere, and you do blow the sidewall out of these things. Now you've got to get a replacement tire that, oftentimes, is like on, say on this LC500, it has run flats. How many tire dealers are going to have a tire that's that appropriate size? Right. Mm -hmm. And and if I could take a step backwards here, the the premise of having run flat tires is because some cars trunks are too small to include uh, uh, either a small spare tire or a regular spare tire so they've gone to these run flats is that part of the equation well, as well yeah sure it's uh it's the especially in more of the sporty cars corvettes or what have you mm. uh you know and the tires get bigger too they're not small tires these are the rim is very wide and typically you know 18 plus inch diameter and so it's a space limitation on uh, where to, where to put the tires? So guess what? Put them on run flats, and then you don't have to worry about it. No spare. Yes. So this woman uh, concluded uh, in her letter. Uh, again, it was a rather lengthy letter. She said, "Run flat tires, never again for us." But then again, we drive curves and distances, even at ages 71 and 73. Maybe pure in-town or highway driving is different. The online forums suggest otherwise. Living in Manhattan, I can't imagine not having rim and tire insurance. On my BMW, I've had to replace my run-flat tires at least 10 times over the last three years for issues ranging from blown full flats to bubbles that appear on the sidewall 
from high impact bumps and holes. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share my view of run flat tires. As an auto enthusiast, I hope you write about them soon. So this woman obviously has had major difficulties. Um, right. So I asked. I was at a, a gathering yes. last night yes. of, of 15 people, non-car people, and I asked some some people have they ever had run flats and have they ever had any problems? And one of them piped up immediately. Yes, we've had like nine replaced nine uh, run flat tires on their BMW. What's the chance of that? Just that small little grouping. So apparently, uh, these run flats—it it is a major deal. So, so if you if you can uh, get a car, I guess without them, that would be the way to go. I don't know. It's, you know, probably some cars it's optional. Yeah, I I, I suppose on this car, um, to get non-run flat tires, maybe they're going to say, hey, gee, they come standard, but. Even though the run flat tires cost more to begin with, you're going to have to pay now more to get a tire that get a tire that should cost less. Right, <laughs> and and part of the problem is, well, you think, oh, well, who's going to change your tire anymore anyway? Nobody does that. You call AAA and they come fix it. They put the spare on or they, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the problem is the availability of the tire for that vehicle, mm -hmm. and it's almost like back to the dealer. So if this happens on a Friday night, where are you going to get that tire? Right. So it's it's worse than just not wanting to put a tire on. It's it's getting a tire. Yes. Um, and at what price? At what price? And so I, I wonder about, I, I don't know the answers to any of these, but about liability or, or if you do, you do you have a deductible on insurance for tires? I don't know any of these things, how that would work. If you, you're stuck or you maybe even get an accident because the sidewall blew and you're in an accident, where does that fit into your... Uh, insurance? Do they do they have uh, specifications or or criteria for tires in in insurance policies? I really don't know. You got me. That's, yeah, you're, yeah, we're out of. <laughs> yeah. it's you're over our league. That's our over our pay grade. We'll have to figure that out at some other time, I guess. But I I wasn't that familiar with the run flats, and 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 now that it's come up a few times, I think I'm going to have to you know maybe maybe for a longer column and, and call some of these people who have written and see if they'll they'll talk about it and. And maybe call a tire company or two or a manufacturer and, and ask for their opinions. Yeah, I think it'd be worthwhile. Well, not, nothing uh, like people writing. It's always nice that people will read, call them, and, and take the time to send an email or, or ask a question or even be, you know, provide some criticism. So, a few columns ago, um, along the same lines, there's the, one of the hot button topics in the industry, of course, is with uh, recreational vehicles and. Um, we've talked about your experiences with, with your wife, Aline, and traveling and learning that industry a little bit. But there's a lot going on, the, the, what seems to be a, almost a non-regulated industry uh, of people having lemons and all kinds of problems with their RVs and, and nowhere to turn and being you know, broken down on the road and all these different things. So I probably have received 10 letters about this, but I thought I would share one, a little bit of one, another rather lengthy uh, letter. But this uh, gentleman wrote, in part, thanks for the brief and timely overview of the RV industry. I can speak directly to the issue, certainly from the past sales experiences. I own a Class B RV, purchased new a few years ago, with many functional quality defects as delivered from the factory, not with the basic vehicle, but with the build-out. Uh, these have required thousands of dollars of additional sleuthing, repairing and corrective upgrades. Some I could do handyman style, take care of it myself. Others had to be dealt with by RV shops, often, in, often via trial and error, 
seemingly due to the lack of even basic knowledge by technicians. I recognize the problem in spades, and I am the poster boy for your statements. As to the competence of RV service businesses, technicians, independent owners, again, you are on the mark. They range all over the map. Some can and will solve the problems. Some will try. Some will have little understanding of the basics and will create new issues by their solutions, in quotes. Those then will require new, usually costly, diagnostics and solutions per my experiences. And I am only talking about class VRVs. So this person, like many other people, has had just tremendous problems with their RVs. And uh, it's, it's a big issue. It's a big issue. They're cheaply made. They throw them together quick. Yep. And, and no so, quality control. No quality control. The biggest thing is to sell them. And and the owner owner be owner be damned. They don't even say beware. They just say it's yours. We're out of the picture. Yeah, if you're building out a, they're talking class B, which is those like a Sprinter van from mm -hmm. Mercedes. And uh, yeah, the van, the basic van, I'm sure is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mercedes quality is good, but it's when they when they do the build out, that's when problems uh, turn up. Yeah. Um, the other there's many issues in the RV world. Another one, and this was in the same letter. Um, is that this man was was critical, and he has a right to be critical. He said, the only distraction, as I see it from the main thrust of the article and from its heading, is your digression into homelessness, cost of living in some areas, and Walmart parking issues. These are fine topics and deserve perhaps somewhere else further discussion. They dilute and distract uh, from what could have been a more in-depth exploration with more specifics of the chaos of the post-sale environment in the RV industry and the drive section, which is the automotive section of the newspaper. To me, it kind of goes hand in hand. The, the, industry is, the industry is expanding exponentially. People, whether you're homeless or have a lot of money, RVs are a problem, where you park them, where you don't park them, you know, the sanitation issues. So I understand his point, but I tried to, I guess I tried to put a lot of the overall issues with the RV industry into, into one general interest. Well, that was his whole, the whole point was that the RV is not a recreational vehicle anymore. Yes. To some, it's, it's a lifestyle. To some, it's, uh, you know, it's their, it is their home. Mm -hmm. And others, well, I guess, you know, the, they depreciate so fast that, yeah, nearly homeless people can buy them. They're so cheap. Yes. Um, well, going back to the Lexus, I, I, there was a couple things I wanted to add to that. Uh, the, this is the flagship, now they're calling it the flagship sedan. Um, and when you when I say flagship, or well, I'll be coupe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flagship, flagship coupe. Flagship coupe. When, when, I, when you say flagship, or when I say flagship, I've wondered about this. That just, does that just mean, in general, that's the most expensive car we have, and this is the one that we're gonna, this is the poster, the poster boy, since those other men use the term poster boy, is this the poster boy of what each manufacturer offers? This is the best car we have. Boom, the LC500. Or is, or is flagship, in, in your opinion, means something else as well? Yeah, I think it's their technology leader, their, pri their price leader. Mm -hmm. When I say leader, it's most expensive. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, this, is, this is us. This is what we can do. Mm -hmm. This is the technology that, that flows down to all our cars. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, and we're talking about the car that we both drove today, we drove on some freeway, we drove on some small river roads, we drove in gravel. We saw the car in a, in a few, it was raining uh, most of the time. Um, and if, if, if this is the flagship car and 
we're thinking that maybe in a year they might sell three or four thousand of these. Is it fair to call the car that's a niche car still your flagship car is what I'm getting at? And it's a car that isn't attainable by... I, I wouldn't be able to go and buy this car for $103,000. Most people wouldn't. But it's, it's, it's the one that's, like as you said, this is, this is our best. But that's the draw. That, yeah. that, that's what we are. Here, here we are. This is us. Yes. Now, you can't afford it. And we make this car over here. Mm -hmm. Here's your $30,000 entry level. Mm -hmm. Do they start that low in Lexus? Probably do around there. Thirty-five thousand. Yeah, some of the some yeah. of the. Now this has a lot of the same technology as this 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 big one, this LC five hundred over here. Mm -hmm. Or that's how they would sell it. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, who's who's buying this? Who who's going to buy this car, Bruce? What do you think? Who's going to buy this car? <laughs> you don't know. Uh, in, in, in who's going to buy this car? You know the the people who bought it, the 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 big Mercedes SL. Right. Well, it was you know doctors and lawyers mm -hmm. and. People who have to look look the part, you know, they right. gotta say, "Hey, I'm it, it successful, looks and I, I'm successful, and this is my car." Yeah. Well, um, that's our show for today. But we want to—I want to remind you of a few more things. Number one, um, our podcast is available on my website, which is theweeklydriver.com, and it's available on all the major uh, podcast platforms. You can sign up uh, in any way, shape, or form you want to sign up. But our, our podcast is hosted host by a company called Blueberry, and we've been informed that podcasts are now available on Alexa. And if you have the Alexa platform in your home, I, yeah, I guess the way to do it is to say, hello, Alexa, go to MyCast. And then when the Alexa says whatever she says, you say, please find the Weekly Driver podcast. So if you're in the Alexa world and you want to listen to our podcast, um, we're available now. The Weekly Driver podcast is available now on Alexa as well as all the other major platforms. Now on my Android phone, I say, okay, Google. Okay. And on Siri, you say, hey, Siri. Mm -hmm. And Alexa, what do you say? I think you say, Alexa. 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 <laughs> but we, dig we digress. I don't, I don't have, that's okay. I don't have Alexa, but I, I'm, I'm sure that's probably exactly what you say. I also want to say that my uh, new uh, Weekly Driver uh, website newsletter will debut next week. It's a free newsletter, and I hope to include a lot of different things from the automotive industry. So our podcast is free. My new newsletter was, it will be free, www.theweeklydriver.com. And uh, please join us again next week. So for Bruce Aldrich, this is James Rea, and we'll talk to you next week. Everybody go out for a nice Sunday drive. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Bye. Take, take care. Bye-bye. The Weekly Driver Podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.